1: Hello, and welcome to Wiki WikiPolitiki, a show designed to bring right and left, front and center, to turn the funk into function, and leave the junk at the junction at a time when so much political discourse is heat without light wiki politiki shines the light of love and truth on the endarkened corridors of power and then brings leading solutionaries into conversation to light the way forward together your host is steve Behrman, author comedian and political and spiritual uncommentator You might know Steve as his cosmic comic alter ego, Swami Beyond Ananda, or as the author of a more serious book with cellular biologist Bruce Lipton, Spontaneous Evolution. If you recognize that crisis precipitates evolution, and judging by the current crises, the chances of precipitation are 100%, this show is for you. Welcome to the Evolutionary Upwising. Now, here is your host, Steve Behrman.
2: Well, hi there, and welcome to WikiPolitiki Conversations for Co-Creation, where we shed light on the undarkened corridors of power, and we shine light ahead of us to where evolution is leading. The purpose of WikiPolitiki is to bring left and right, front and center, to face the music and dance together, to address problems instead of defending positions. Well, today's theme, Change Your Story, Change Your Life. When I was doing research on spontaneous evolution, uh, I read a very uh, interesting book called Coyote Medicine by Dr. Louis Male Madrona. He was an associate of Dr. Andrew Weil, and he decided that he would study the phenomenon of anomalous healings, or what we call spontaneous remission. Now, I'm sure we've all read about these unexplainable healings. Maybe we even know somebody who's had one. One day, the individual is on death's door diagnosed with a fatal illness. Next day, they are inexplicably symptom-free. This kind of miraculous change can't be explained through ordinary science, and it's often called divine intervention, part of the unknowable mystery, but maybe there's more to it, uh, to these spontaneous remissions. Dr. Louis Mel Madrona, in his research, discovered that spontaneous remission is often preceded by what he called a change of story. In other words, our feelings, our thoughts, our beliefs, and the meaning that we attribute to our situation may actually change the field in a way that impacts our physical reality. Can this also be true of our collective story and beliefs and our collective reality? As Bruce and I wrote in Spontaneous Evolution, quote, The spontaneous remission we seek appears to be contingent upon a spontaneous remissioning of civilization through what we change, Uh, which we change our mission from one based on survival of the the individual to one that encompasses survival of the species. That's the big story, and I think the big story and the little story, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves about the world are very much connected. And so our guest this week, Leah Lamb, calls herself a sacred storyteller and our conversation is going to focus on how we unravel the old yarn, the one that doesn't serve our evolution, and weave ourselves into a new one. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. And Leah reiterates that every origin story in every culture tells us in some way the world is sung, spoken, or chanted into existence. Leah Lamb works with stories as a tool for personal transformation and social change. She's the author of short stories, documentaries, award-winning public service announcements about the environment. She produced and hosted the Green Channel at Current TV. Her articles have been uh, featured in Fast Company, Spirituality and Health magazine, and National Geographic News Watch. She now has created an online school for sacred storytelling called. Speak the Spark, and it's about. And she's also about to release her first guide to storytelling called A Rebel Tell, a guidebook to seeing, hearing, and creating stories in transition times. Here's a quote from her website quote Storytelling is the operating system that aligns the heart, mind, and soul with purpose. So I'm very excited about our conversation today. Welcome, Leah.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here.
2: Very good. Now, one of the phrases you use and I've picked up on is change your story, change your life. So given uh, what I just said about Dr. Mel Madrona, uh, how can changing your story change your life?
0: Well, I mean, let's, let's start by just coming in to me about what is a story, you know, and, and we use this word sacred storyteller and and it's a it's a mixed bag to actually define it as that, but it's also the escape hatch to into a conversation because as soon as we call it something sacred, we're also saying that something is not sacred, right? But <laughs> in the way of calling it a sacred story, what we're speaking to and we're taking this the fast track road there that I think a lot of people hear when they hear the word sacred is relationship with the divine and relationship with a life force other than my own. And so when we speak to a sacred story, we're saying, okay, that this is a story that has a life of its own. So it has its own intelligence, it has its own genius, it has its own wisdom that's more than mine. Even though I'm telling you my story, if I can, if I can come into this kind of humble moment of listening to the story and letting it guide me to, and to bring this kind of lived wisdom through, I'm like being lived by my story as much as I'm living it. So to answer your question of like, well, changing a story, You know it's we if we understand that a story is a living life force all of its own well then we can start relating to it as such and let's say like a five-year-old child we would never expect a five-year-old to stay five its whole life we expect it to grow up or we don't expect a sapling to stay a sapling its whole life we expect it to grow into a big beautiful tree that fruits and flowers so why would we ever expect our stories to stay the same because hopefully we are evolving and growing and so as we live our stories, as we integrate our stories, and as we tell our stories, they shift, they transform, they have more and more to offer each time we tell them. So that's a, a little bit, and I, and I love how you introduced this in terms of this, you know, these spontaneous healings. You know, I just finished this great book that I'll, that I'll add to the library of which you generously so gave us, which is um, You Read the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza, and he did all this research about they literally gave people placebos and, and the, the you know, the, it, they gave them a placebo and they gave them a story. And their story was, this is going to heal you, you know, and... And it's kind of amazing because we are, as we started to kind of integrate into this bigger thing, we're living in the opposite story, right? We're living in a pretty intense narrative. This world is going to kill you. Your food is going to kill you. You know, everything's out to get you. And that's like, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, that's our and look what's happening, right? So it's, it's, I think one of the key things is, is once we can understand that we are living among stories, and some of them have the life of the divine in them and are here to serve and are here to serve life life, it is a life that serves life. And some of them are zombie stories. They are stories that are not here to serve life. They are stories that are here on the take. They are here, there are stories that are, that are created for a certain purpose of sometimes it's profit driven. Some of these stories carry fear. And if you're not able to do your job as a story spotter and be like, that's a story. Do I choose to give my life force to that story by listening it? Not only listening to it, but allowing it to live inside of me. And so that's, a bit of a beginning, you know, to start talking about this whole idea of changing stories.
2: That's pretty rich. That's pretty rich. I really like the idea of uh, not just um, listening to a story or reading a story, but then making the choice to allowing uh, of allowing the story to live inside of you. So probably what you're first talking about is the consciousness about how these stories seep into our to our awareness and i would i would imagine that a lot of that is uh is subconscious is that is that what you're suggesting that we take on these stories without knowing that we've
0: taken on the story it's it's a bait and switch you know it's um it's it kind of goes back to the if if you are someone who likes to give then you understand that the power and the exchange is by the person who is open to receiving it that's who holds the power yeah if you've got all these things to give but nobody to receive them, boom, there's nothing, you know. You can relate back to presence, you can relate back to intimacy, you can relate it to any, anything, you know. So it's a bait and switch because you think that the person that's giving is the one that has the power. But it, it's not always. So think about it in the same way and apply that to storytelling. You think that the storyteller is the person that has the power. In some case, they have the seeds of life that they are putting out into the world. But whether those seeds take root in you, you as the listener are actually the true source of the power. You're the one that's going to feed and nourish and nurture and allow that story to grow and become, or you're going to be the one that's going to turn away and give your energy and life force to something else. I mean, we have these, we're like these kind of amazing battery packs, you know, like we literally burn at a certain rate and like we're like this life force of energy inside of us and we have capacity to allow something to take form and give it our life force energy or not. And so, to be practical and say, okay, well, Leah, there's a bunch of bad news. What do you say? Just ignore it? Because I don't want that story to live inside of me. And it's like, no, we know, that's spiritual bypassing, that's that's escapism. But there's there's a moment of the Shambhala warrior where you say, I see what's happening. I will, I will lay my eyes on this, and I will say no to injustice while giving my life force energy to building what is right and just and in service to all. And there's a distinction between what you give your life force energy to. And I think that sometimes we're raised, or I was raised, I should say, to, to in this form of um, active resistance. But, you know, like, ask the Jews, <laughs> you know, I'm going to say this. <laughs> Ask the Jews. You know, the, the, <laughs> the more you try to squash something out and go against something, the stronger it will become. Of you course. Know? So it's like, so it, it's, again, it's like this kind of law of physics, you know, it's like, so it's, it's you're wanting to really tend to what stories are you, are you, what, what stories do you really want to live in? And what stories do you want to give the emphasis of your time and energy? So for me, like, I am just crazy about the oceans. There's some big, scary, intense stories about the state of our ocean, but, it's, but to me it's like I'd rather give my life force to doing everything I can to serve and protect this extraordinary oceanic realm than to put all that energy into fear and neglect and being paralyzed. And the same energy is just going to express itself in different ways. Same story. You know, living in the same story, this is something that needs to be protected, but how do we live the story?
2: Yeah, you know, it sounds like what what you're, you're the distinction that you're making, and this is very very important because a lot of people have done what you call the spiritual bypass and so on. The story that what you're suggesting is face fear, practice love. So you yeah. you're, you're looking at the fear. You're not uh, you're not shying away from it. From it, and that's really the the warrior spirit is not denial. Uh, the mm-hmm. warrior spirit is you know, being present. And then mm-hmm. and then recognizing, as you suggest, that there's a choice right there. Um, how about some of your own stories? I mean, how did you, uh, you know, tell us about how your, your um, life as an artist developed and how you became fascinated with this idea of story?
0: You know, it got me when I was young. I grew up in an era where kids were allowed to run free in the land. You know, and I grew up in this big 40-acre property in Vermont, a place that you know well, and um, and I spent a lot of time alone, and because I spent all this time alone, I think I got to, like, really have time with my imagination, and I got to get to know it, and that imagination got me through the good times. It got me through hard times. You know, I, I moved almost every year of my life when I was growing up as a kid, and for anyone that had to experience what it is to be the new kid in school, you, you will know that it is not easy, let alone every single year. And for me, books just became my escape. They became mm-hmm. like the companionship that wasn't going to pick on me. <laughs> <You know>? and, <laughs> I, and then as I got older, you know, it's like it was my entertainment. But as I got older and I, and I went through a, a very devastating loss at a young age where my best friend committed suicide in high school, Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Could I could, It became the place where I could live with my grief and make sense of my grief. And so I ended up writing a play that was then produced in a professional festival. And I think just because that was my mechanism, I had become so intimate with stories, that it's a place that I not only went to escape, but it's the place where I ended up going in to make sense of the world and then that just continued to evolve over time
2: yeah so interesting how that kind of a devastating thing that happens you know it, it always sounds cliched when people say you know when i got whatever the horrible thing was it was the best thing that ever happened to me because as as all stories uh, or many stories reveal these challenges are what bring forth our uh the higher nature that we have and, and the great skills that we haven't developed yet. And so, you know, it, you can look back on that horrible thing, which was, ho- I'm sure still horrible when you look back on it and yet you see the gift that it was. And not just to you, but to the people that you're sharing your experience with and, and mentoring. Um, so how did that, um, you know, you've been a, a, a writer, uh you you also did some uh, some TV. Tell us about the um, uh, the Green Channel. What was the Green Channel?
0: So that was um, current TV back in the day. For those of you who remember, was um, was Al Gore's television network.
2: Ah, and, that's right.
0: Yep. Yeah, and I had the great privilege of hosting and producing the Green Channel there, and we were the very first television network that had a two screen capacity. So it was it's hard to imagine that, right? But we're the first television network that used online um, websites along with the television network, like with the actual TV. Mm-hmm. And it was an extraordinary moment to be alive in the great narrative of the environment because I really got to see what people cared about. You know, kittens, um, shapely women. Um, I can <laughs> tell you that it, it's not necessarily with shock and surprise it's not climate science. It's not the first thing that people will click on if given the option. Um, but I also, what I what I really got to see is it was that critical moment when we were just beginning to come out and talk about climate change. we were trying to solve the big question. you know, How do you give people the information so that they feel the inspiration to have the motivation to take action? And mm-hmm. what I learned in that process is that there are a lot of really good people who don't fully understand the depth of story, who don't understand the depth of story and its impact on humans, and don't understand that humans are literally not designed to metabolize news and information. We don't know what to do with it. We are made out of stories. Stories help us have belief systems, they give us values, and they tell us what's possible. And so we're in this very strange, broken narrative that's breaking the rules of how humans know how to Thrive and function, and have it. And we're we're lacking a. This is the the greatest thing that's climate you know change movement showed us is we're lacking a shared story, right? We're lacking a story that we that, that everyone, no matter who you are, can live inside of.
2: Um, well, we, you, you, good. Oh, we yeah. we'll be back right after this break with Leah Lamb. We're going to be talking about healing stories, and uh, releasing the ones that uh, are shadowy blocking stories that uh, put a shadow on us. This is Steve Behrman, Wikipolitiki, and we're back after this message.
1: Connecting you with the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Namaste, friends. This is Deva Pramala Miten. We wanted to let you know that we will be in America and Canada this May. We'll be coming with our Wings of Mantra World Tour, coming up the West Coast to Boulder, Santa Fe, Sedona, Scottsdale, Santa Barbara, L.A., Marin, Santa Cruz, San Jose, Escondido, Edmonds, and up to Canada to Victoria and Vancouver. You can find details on our website, devapramalmiten.com. Hope to see you there. Lots of love. Namaste.
0: More than 24 million Americans have an autoimmune disorder, and that number continues to grow. I'm Sharon Saylor, and I'm one of those 24 million. To put that number in perspective, cancer affects about 9 million and heart disease up to 22 million. That's why I've brought together top experts and those thriving regardless of their diagnosis to bring you the latest, most up-to-date information. Join me, Sharon Saylor, Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, for the Autoimmune Hour on Life Interrupted Radio to find out how to live your life
1: uninterrupted. Are you done with the daily barrage of negativity? Ready for some positivity? Creations Magazine has been inspiring the soul for over 30 years, delivering thought-provoking and solution-driven articles, essays, and poetry that inspire you to enjoy a vibrant life, holistic health, personal and spiritual growth, relationships, the environment, and so much more. Read us online or order a subscription, creationsmagazine.com.
3: what is your emergency? I killed
0: Adam Bell.
3: All right, where's the wound? Sir? 911. What is your emergency? Please help my son shot his brother. 911. What is your emergency? Okay. 911. Please state your
1: emergency. Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. It wasn't locked. It
3: wasn't locked. It wasn't locked. It wasn't locked. It wasn't locked.
1: Learn how to make your home safer at endfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and End Family Fire.
2: Well, hi, Steve Berman. I'm back with uh, Leah Lamb, our guest today, and we're talking about stories. And we were just talking about her work uh, with Al Gore's uh, Current TV and the Green Network, the Green Channel. And this seems to be one of the most challenging things that we're facing right now, because those who recognize that we are in a dire New word situation in regards to our uh, climate change, and yet there seems to be a kind of paralysis where things simply go on the way they've been. Uh, what did you discover in working at the Green Channel with the, either with stories that didn't work or the kind of story that does end up activating and inspiring people? Well,
0: the first thing I want to do is I kind of want to jump back because of that story that you just said where it's like we're just not – you know, there's this big sort of like, we're not moving fast enough. We're not doing it. You know, we're not doing it. Nobody's paying attention. We're behind, and, and um, the world's going to end, and the oceans are going to be done in 2050. And, you know, mm-hmm. like we've got some really big, and, and, you know, behind all that is this meta story change is hard. You know, change happens. It's a part mm-hmm. of life. We are changing every single day. So maybe we can just back up and be like, hmm, whose story is it that change is hard? Because we are in one of the most extraordinary times of transition that we know. And someone just – my dear friend, Matthew Stillman, who is the amazing story consult, if anyone's looking for one, we were just talking about um, some of the hidden stories of our time and prophecies and and this idea of that, you know, we're so important, that we're much more important than any other times on the planet because of our moment in time, you know. And I think everyone thinks that about the time that they're living in because it's the time that they're living in, right? Um, so if we could just take a, back, a step back and be like, oh my gosh, we are living at one of the most rapidly changing times that we are aware of on the planet. And it is asking something of humans that's never been asked before. And we're here meeting a moment and there are hundreds of thousands of people and organizations that are rising with new forms of intelligence inventing extraordinary things to actually meet the moment you know project drawdown has actually um, gone on to um to uh to actually identify the they've actually pointed out the fact that we have all of the predictions about what if it all goes wrong but do we have the predictions that actually adds up all the measures that are currently in place and what if it all goes right and we need those images too so i'm not saying that we're not in a very dangerous situation because we are, but how we carry that story will influence how we live in that story and what role we take. Because if I think that the oceans are really gonna empty in 2050, I better go get mine now because it's not gonna be there later, right? That's a very specific way that might inspire someone to live. Whereas if they're saying, you know what? In 2050, we're going to have more fish and more thriving life in a restored ocean that no one thought was possible because we organized in such a way to make sure that that there would be always more than enough for everyone. A different way of living. I would live differently if I, if I was a part of that story and if I had a role to play in that story.
2: You know, there's a there's a, a process. I think it's called backcasting, where. The way, Mm -hmm. instead of trying to get from here to where we imagine we want to be, we put ourselves right there in the future that we actually envision and desire, like you're talking about. Imagine if actually things were way, way, way better than we can imagine. And then what would that be like? And then you have uh, that compelling story with the same acknowledgement of where we are today. Um, Right. So that, that seems to be what you're talking about. So. Um, right. And then you, live you that in your
0: body and you're like, what does that feel like? Well, then how will I act in that story? How do I act differently if I feel that potential reality?
2: Yes. And I like the term, how do I feel? How do I act? Because I think that uh, my sense of your work is that you're, you're really helping to physicalize the story. You're taking it out of the abstract and you're putting it into the body. So if if I'm right about that, tell say more about that.
0: Um, well, what you know, it's yeah. You know, I mean, we work a lot of with story, and we work. We work a lot of with story embodiment, um, and our stories live inside of us. But there's also what what you're inspiring me to speak about is a little bit about the creative process, because I feel like that's where. When we can open ourselves up into that bigger story, then we can really start to be aware of what's in our collective consciousness. You know, and just like it's easy to see that the fish and the whales and the coral, they're all swimming in the same oceanic water, and so they're all having like the same, they're all being influenced by the same gluten that's in that water, right? But we're actually all breathing the same air. We're actually all living in the same field of consciousness. So, you know, if you feel fear, I'm going to feel fear. It's going to be there. How I, how I respond to that fear is something different. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because um, one of my, when you're going back to that, that embodiment story, one of my favorite exercises to work with people is to give them an opportunity to tap into that expression of opening to the creative um, process. And opening to what's in our collective and into our creative consciousness and be able to tell the stories from that place. It's a little bit different. And one of the things that made me laugh is that I worked with these kids. One brought me into a summer camp, but I don't get to work with kids. Mostly I work with adults. And they asked me to tell them stories. And I said, no, I shouldn't tell them stories. I should tell them tell their own stories. That's, 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 that's going to be the fun. And we did this really great exercise, and it was all improv. And they, um, they created this story. And one of the things that I want to tell you about that they did is at the end of every chapter, they fell down. you know, And, and then the next chapter involved them getting back up. And I was like, oh, my God, that, there's kid genius in that, right? As an adult, I'm so afraid to fall down. But in kid world, they know that you always grow. When you fall down and get back up, it's just part of like it's like going to the gym for them. And then um, they actually told the exact same story that was in my novel. And I did nothing to feed that. You know, they that this story about the environment, the story about the need to respond, is in our collective consciousness. And when we can open up to place it into the mythic realm, Sorry, I've gone so far beyond what you asked me. You said, "Tell me about the stories in your body," and I'm like, "Let's talk about stories in our bodies." <laughs> no, no, take it where take
2: it to the mythic, take it to the mythic realm. Go ahead, take it to the, the mythic realm. realm. Yeah. You, I know you'll come back. I know you'll come back. Go ahead.
0: Uh. <laughs> I, I'm tracking it. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, but, 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 but I will take it to the mythic realm and bring it back to the body because that's you know the mythic realm. These are our, our oldest stories and. Why it's worth understanding about our relationship to the myth and then our fall from grace of relationships with the myth is that it also speaks to our relationship to ourselves as creators of authors of having authority over our lives and not having and not seeing ourselves in the godliness in ourselves and ourselves as creators.
3: A woohooer! a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But they used to say that,
0: you know, now we say Neptune is king of the, the oceans. Well, it used to be that Neptune was the ocean. And just that little tweak of language started to talk and show that this separation between humans and the natural world and our integrated relationship. So wow. I, I speak to all this just to come back to this um, conversation around the mythic realms. There, It's like I love how Michael Mead speaks to it. You know, behind this dimension is the mythic dimension. And like it's, you know, for those who play in that kind of conversation that there's multiple dimensions and we can exist in multiple dimensions, our story is been, now imagine what if your story is actually playing out the same way, just in different dimensions, playing out in different roles. And so mm-hmm. when we can understand and see this dimension, this reality, and how it plays out in a mythic dimension, and we can see ourselves, um, our, archety- our archetypal energies. We can show, we can see our symbolic, form we can see um the essence of our being outside of the the costume of our ego and our body and when we can come into relationship with that then it's then we're having another way another tool coming into relationship to our wholeness you know so it's a little bit hard to explain rather than do this is definitely much more of like a doing exercise um but let's say you know i'm just Pick something out let's say let's say that you're someone that has like in in the mythic realm you show up as a dragon you know and you've got this fierce dragon energy or maybe you're the clown you know and it's like if you have full permission to uh, to embody that archetypal energy of yourself and allow that to come into your human form and really like feel that expression or maybe you're a whale in, in the mythic you know dimension in your mythic story And you can feel the hugeness of what it is to be a whale. You've got full permission. No longer is it the feminine story that, you know, there's not enough space for me. Blue Whale does not have a story that there's not enough space for her in the ocean, right? She's she's big. She takes up space, and and she's loved for that, you know. And if you can feel that in your body and feel that in your beingness, you might walk in the world a different way because all of you have permission to be here. that makes sense.
2: You know this, the greatness that you're talking about that comes from these mythical stories. You know, I remember back when classical civilization used to be taught in college, and you know, sometime in the in the 70s or possibly 80s, it was determined that that was not relevant for modern times. We need to study more science. We need to be more practical, and so we've we've gotten now two or more generations where. If you really want to find these stories, you have to look hard because they're not part of the uh, of the conversation. You know, we don't we don't refer to uh, the Greek gods uh, that much. Where people go, are going to really understand who Neptune was or Roman gods or whatever. So the point is that we've in a certain sense been uh, in in given the tools that we have for everybody to do their own movie right now. I mean, right now in terms of. Sure. Um, Media, uh, we everybody can broadcast. Everybody could write a book, do a CD, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yet there is a dearth of connection to these timeless stories. Um, and so I, I, that brings me to a question that, that that's been really fascinating me since I saw it on your website. You talk about killing the hero's journey. So we've just been talking about archetypal stories. What do you mean by killing the hero's journey?
0: Right, Well, Joseph Campbell gave us this fantastic mechanism, right? and then he and then um, it got picked up by our lovely creator of star Wars and it and it was brought to us as if this is the story structure. It's the only one that we live mm-hmm. within. and it was a very um I mean obviously absolute genius in it, and also not a complete truth in it. There's many different story structures. The very big challenge that has that we have been now dealt to deal with is that if we believe that no matter what, we are living out a hero's journey, no matter what, we have to have a monster to play. It's a very masculine approach to life. It means that no matter what, in order to have ascension and to find our best selves and and connect to our warriors, you know, like connect to our inner superpowers. We have to have something other that must be slayed, and it it it, it involves and requires othering. So it also involves that we're going to make monsters, and monsters yeah. are made by those around them.
2: Sure. So wow, that's a very interesting idea. At, sure. Yeah.
0: So and even look at take a and I don't want to go too far. I don't want to really talk about politics, but I would just say. With that lens, now look at our political world. Now look at the movements that have been happening over the past, you know, five years and say, and what if, what if we are unconsciously creating monsters so that we can live out the hero's journey? And a hero is different than a warrior, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very different archetype. And what do you want to be? We might need a lot less heroes. We might need more warriors. That's and an interesting in it, distinction.
2: Yes, say more about that.
0: Um, you know, I can't, I can't claim full scholarship on this. I can claim that I am in the field of wondering around this um, with you. So what we can do is we can wonder together, and this is something yeah. that I have learned from some of my elders, including Stephen Jenkinson. That you know, when you wonder about something, it can come through. But I think you know, part of the hero story is is the power of one, and we have this idea of like, okay. You know, someone is going to have that superpower and and he, usually it's a he or it could be a she more and more, is going to go out and they're going to save the world and they're going to save the town because they've got that special thing and they're the one. I don't have to do it because I'm not the one. They're the one. You know, so there's a hero, right? And the power of one is one of the biggest funk myths on the planet. I mean, sure, it's really entertaining and it allows us to sit into this passive role because someone else is going to take care of it for us. It makes us and it even, I would say, perpetuates a little bit of a victim role, and the victim archetype. Whereas, if you come into a warrior, you know, warriors work together. Um, if there's a there's a form of discipline, you know, that the warrior has to has to go become part of. There's a there's a sense of mastery of both the self, the consciousness, the ego. You know, if there's a, there's it's just archetypally in, in the energy of it. There's there's all these other elements that call you into your best being, and not that a hero doesn't, but it's – and I would say that what what is really asking to be happening right now is it's time to kill off the power of one story and really celebrate the truth of what's happening in our time, which is the power of the collective. That's what we're seeing in our social media. That's what we're seeing even in our Marvel movies. Our Marvel movies have changed so that even they aren't showing us the power of one anymore, but they're actually showing us the power of the collective. So this 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 um, change in our society is coming up and infiltrating through all parts of our world, including our stories.
2: What a very very interesting idea. Now I've framed it. This this may be a little bit distorted from what you're talking about, but I've I've said that. At this moment in history, given the challenge that we have, our entire species is that one uh, who happens to be in that uh, reluctant hero's role. Does that make any sense? That that that's the collective is really going through that that passage of of being challenged by um, forces that are both external and internal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a, I really appreciate that perspective.
2: And it's a, it's. Well, we're getting, we're, that's okay. Hold that thought till we get back after this break. <laughs> Fascinating conversation about stories with Leah Lamb. This is Steve Berman and we'll be back shortly.
1: mind with OM Times Radio IOM FM
0: Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate we engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching
3: vibration as you Ascending Hearts the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware try Ascending Hearts for free AscendingHearts.com.
0: Hello, I'm Lisa Barry. Join me every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for Light on Living, a chance to see new, hear different, and feel more as I shine the spotlight on all the ways to lighten the load of life's challenges. Light on Living is your link to that new way you're looking for, that new understanding that will enhance your life, and that positive connection that will support your growth. So join me, and you'll gain insight and start to see things in a new way that motivates you.
1: The Shift Network. Presenting transformative programs and events to help you waken to your full potential so that together we can build the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. Our classes support you in finding and cultivating your gifts and in bringing those gifts to the world to create tangible change and connect us as global citizens. Go to theshiftnetwork.com or follow the link on the WikiPolitiki sponsors page.
2: Oh well, hi this is Steve Behrman with Lisa uh, Leah I'm sorry Leah Leah, uh, Leah Lamb, Leah and we're um we're doing something that she had suggested uh wandering together uh that this is a it's a conversation that's hard to confine to just one hour um uh so let's let's jump back in. You had a thought that was half formed. I want to make sure that you had a chance to finish what you're going to say.
0: Oh gosh, you know, easy come, easy. Assuming
2: you remember go. it, okay. <laughs> I'll take you off the hook. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what she was going to say. I know, you know, yeah. We both wonder what you say. Uh, but but let's let's look at our let's look at our our collective story, not just the climate change story, but but all of these other stories that have to do with the. Um, the separation, the direness, the the kinds of opposition, fighting monsters, and so on. Um, given your experience in, in the climate change uh, arena and so on, uh, what is a what is a helpful warrior story um, as it relates to the challenges that we face right now as a species? And, and of course, it's fractal, so it means that individually we're going through the same things as we're going through as a species. So say more about the kinds of stories that have emerged, um, perhaps that some you know people that you've coached that came up with stories that were uh, intriguingly helpful during these times.
0: Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I have a, there's a beautiful woman that, that studies stories with me, and she has this practice called, Isn't It Amazing? I love it. You know, isn't it amazing? <laughs> Wouldn't it be amazing if? You know, and what if you started every story about our future in that way?
1: <laughs> <You> know, <what laughs> That's is? fabulous. It's a,
0: very, it's a very different, like, framing of, you know, Armageddon's coming. You know, and I think that one of the things I've really noticed in, you know, getting to work, it, it's funny. I work a lot in tell mythic stories, as you might have sn- sniffed out in my love of talking about mm-hmm. mythos. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And I work with a lot of people who want to work with how to tell their own story. And so I get to hear where people are, and one of the things that I've noticed more and more is that so many people come to me because they feel this this tension in their throat, in their stomach, in their heart, in their in their beingness, because they know that something is desperately trying to come through, and and it's time. And it, it's I can't tell you how many times I've heard that version of a story, um, pretty much say the same way with slightly different words. And so what that says to me is that there's something emerging in our collective consciousness right now where it's time for our voices to be heard. And if we go back to a story of that tells us that humans are connected to the earth, and if we go back.
3: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
0: the very beginning, which is that all the ancient religions agree that the world was sung, spoken, and chanted into existence. That the world was sung, spoken, or chanted into existence. And if we can take that in, and it it, it takes a while, so I, I invite you to repeat that a bunch of times, because in that old wisdom, to me, is some of the keys to the doorway that might really help us understand humans' unique role on this planet that through the vibration of our beingness, we speak into what becomes matter. We change the form of matter with our language, with our words. Charles you know Lindbergh, there wasn't a plane before he dreamed it up, spoken into being. Enough people believed it was possible, then they built it and then it happened. It's kind of like, nothing. there was never a plane before then, I think, I'm not quite sure in my aviary history, but let's use that as an example. So I think the same thing as we as we speak about our future, and as we understand the power of our language, and if we understand that our collective, there's a, there's a collective rising right now, if we come back to this idea that perhaps us humans, as Martin Shaw likes to say, that, um, that stories are the earth dreaming out loud. The stories are the earth dreaming out loud. And that when we're in a very connected place, when we're grounded and connected to whatever you might be connected to, maybe you use the language of, the divine, or maybe you use the language of the ancestors, or maybe you use the language of the muse, or that that life force energy that is beyond your own. And when you have that kind of connection, perhaps what wants to come through you, you're like, perhaps we're really just vehicles for the earth speaking out loud. And when you start to see that, and then you start to see this collective rise and this collective shift and a collective story changing, you know that you're part of something. And I think that, to me, that's a story that I am excited to live within, that there's a massive transition on this planet, and that change is absolutely normal, and that the role that I play in it is absolutely integral. You know, um, Stephen Jenkinson said something that just – that landed and took Stephen in me. He said, what must have happened to a collective that unconsciously agreed that they were of no consequence? Act as if you were mm-hmm. consequence and that you matter – so that i can treat you as such and i think that when we don't understand our relationship to our language we don't understand how powerful we are with our words when we don't have a relationship with the etymology of words here's a little something that comes from um michael Mead, who brings us back to the greek origin of the word apocalypse which says it's the Mm -hmm. lifting of the veils so in one way of looking at that world it's the end of the world and then if we go to the origin of this language, it's the lifting of the veils and you can see what was there the whole time and now you can start to relate to it. Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> so,
2: you know, that really is an excellent reframe uh that uh, I've been using for years and people are always surprised when they hear that. And once again, you're lifting the veils on, you know, on everything, on the awful truth and also yeah. on the awesome opportunities. So uh, I like I like that you are perpetuating that uh, that way of viewing. I want to take a phrase that you used, and I see it and kind of un, unravel it a bit. Um, you call yourself a rebel, telling of our times. Um, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, this is a, a guidebook, and I it's about to come out. I'm about to release um, release it as an audio book, as an audio class, and mm-hmm. it's called Rebel Tell, seeing i'm so new to i don't even have a a book cover in front of me i think it's called seeing listening and creating the stories of transition times and to me it's a rebel tell if you're a rebel teller you know it's like the rebellion right now because it's like there's so many people that are profiting off of your fear and again i'm not saying that that we aren't living in very very crucial moment in time that things are you know not looking so good for humans right now um but I, but the rebellion is is not to allow your future, the story, don't let the story of your future be hijacked by others that are profiting off of your fear. and And that would profit off of you not actually engaging and creating the world you most want to live in. And so the rebellion to me, and the rebels tell, is to tell, we speak beauty into the world. We speak joy into the world. We make space for people to grieve what is lost. When we bring them into a deep story that they can trust us as storytellers, I'll take you to the underworld. I'll sh- I'll, we'll live in the pain and the grief and the loss. And I promise to take you out on the other side where you can live again in a more whole way where you can show up in a bigger, more whole way to also express and experience the joy and the love that is here right now. So that maybe you will seed this into the future. And this is the thing about the stories that are kind of amazing. They defy the laws of this planet and that they refuse the laws of entropy. Stories and plastic, both refuse entropy. They don't break down, you know. And a story, you know, we have stories that have been around for like, thousands and thousands and thousands of years longer than any physical structure on the planet, you know? We have stories that are older and they have managed to survive time. And so what story are you gonna tell about this transition time that's going to be the bedrock foundation for those that come behind you? Because that might be the only thing you can truly leave leave behind that will be carried beyond anything. And so people wanna speak about the legacy and they wanna speak about what they're leaving behind statue is going to break down eventually. But if you know how to speak in such a way that your story can be carried and it has such an offering and such a gift and such a life that it takes seed in someone else and they carry it and maybe the wind will carry it and maybe the trees will pick it up. And if you're really lucky, maybe a rock will hold it long enough so that when someone else sits down on it and kind of a rough moment in some future time, your story will seep out and feed and nourish them in a way that none of us can truly imagine is possible because not many of us hold those old ways of being in relationship to the elements that's still possible and available to us.
2: Wow. What a great idea. Uh, the the Why stories live. They don't break down. <laughs> uh, oh, that oh. story fell apart. That's deconstructed. What? All the pieces are laying on the... No. Um, <laughs> I, that makes me even more curious as to uh, over the course of your life till now, what stories have influenced you the most whether it's a book or a movie or simply a a mythological story any come to mind as being particularly transformational for you
0: yeah i mean john steinbeck first of all i mean i the grapes of wrath changed my Mm -hmm. life and that that last scene i feel like was an instructional guide for our times and I don't wanna I don't wanna speak too much of it. If you have not read The Grapes of Wrath and if you do not remember what happened on that last mm-hmm. page, you can't just go read the last page to get to get the medicine of it. But um, it shows the power of humanity and 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 how just what I said that how you can have beauty and a prayer for what comes next, even in the depth of sorrow and grief for what's being lost. So I think that story mm-hmm. definitely has carried me through. Um, It'll send
2: me the, back to read it. <laughs> the last <yeah>. page. <laughs> no, it will. It will. I I don't remember that. So that that's been you know many years since high school since I read that book. Even though I saw the movie and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And but that's really very interesting that that impacted you, because and again uh, it was a phoenix rising story. It sounds like. Oh, it's
0: it's it's sort of like that. But you know what John Steinbeck says is. Is that if the story is going to take life and, and be carried, um, it has to be—it has to be universal. It has to be about everyone, or it won't survive. And I'm—I'm I'm doing gross uh, rewording of what he says, so please forgive me, John Sendak. Um But that—that that main concept of that, it, the story needs to be about all of us for it to take root in us—is—is is true. So I think that's one of the great pieces that I teach and offer and invite everyone to think about even if you're telling your story about you know gross neglect or being abused or or falling in love or or you know getting cancer that if you come back to that core piece of how is this a universal story where is the universal truth in this and find that in yourself so that as you give it you make it more about the person that's listening than about you now you're giving your story as a gift and i think that you are offering
2: you know what you said reminded me of a, of a very very uh, powerful story that's been with us for you know 70 uh, plus years and that's the story of the holocaust and you know at the oh. at the end of that uh, at that horror uh the slogan was never again and unfortunately mm-hmm. um the story and i could say this i guess because i'm jewish tradition um the story unfortunately became never again for us rather than mm-hmm we've learned a lesson for the entire species. And, you know, we now have, uh, you know, the, the condition of, you know, those who've been oppressed becoming oppressors without recognizing the universality of that story mm-hmm. for humanity and the web of life. So our our news stories, we have just a few minutes uh, and there's probably a couple of hours that I of conversation left. Um, what would you like the, in, in the last 3 or 4 minutes of the interview what would you like to leave people with in in terms of uh, and by the way we have a link to your website on the uh wiki uh page so people can when they when they listen to this they can click on the way, on your website and see more about what you do but in terms of this uh this turning point this this amazing time that we're at um what are What would you like to leave the listeners with as far as how this um, these new stories are emerging and and how people can make that distinction between stories that um, the zombie stories and the living alive story.
0: You know, I would invite you into into wondering what kind of storyteller are you. You know, if we have so many spokes on the wheels and some of us are carrying the old stories. you know, They're like stewards of the old stories, and the Australians say, "You know, we have to tell the old stories so that they can live in the in the, in the present, so that they might live in the future." You know, and mm-hmm. we're get, we're losing a lot of our old stories. And that's where our wisdom is. And that's where we can learn from. You know, so are, do you tend? Are you drawn to the old myths, or are you? You know, I consider myself a midwife of stories. I'm catching the new ones as they're coming in. You know, what are the stories that want that are coming in to serve this time? You know, are you an alchemist and a healer? And are you looking at some of the old fairy tales like Sleeping Beauty and saying, you know, honey, it's time for you to grow up. Let's let's do let's let's give you some medicine. Let's let's help you (laughs) evolve a bit so that you can you can walk among us again, you know, as a a whole being. You know, are you healing from the old stories? And I think that if you can become really clear about who you are as a storyteller, you can become more conscious of what stories are you willing to catch around you? What kind of stories are you willing to speak into the world? What are the ones that you want to gift and give? And that's also the more clear you are about what you're in service to and what you're in service to creating? like if hopefully you you're you want to create a beautiful world, I want to create a beautiful world with you. What kind of beautiful stories would we tell that hold the truth of where we are, but also hold the possibility of something amazing? And um, I love that it. would be what be I people want to.
2: I love that, wouldn't it be amazing if, wouldn't it be amazing if, wouldn't it be amazing if, because you're inviting wonder, you're inviting expansiveness, and you, it's very childlike. It's very childlike, and, and yet, um, if we don't learn to think like children, we won't see the the possibilities that are already out there. So that that's uh, that's why I'm so excited about about the work and play that you're doing. And you said you have a uh, an audio um, book coming out. Um, I think I have the title of it here. I think it's called uh, A Rebel Tell: A Guidebook to Seeing, Hearing, and Creating Stories in Transition Times, which I'm sure we're living in. And um, uh, now do you do also do coaching, you do speaking, et etc. Cetera, et cetera?
0: It's all true. I'm running that actually as an audio course, as a a live video class. I'm running it as a pilot, and each week I'm going to record each chapter, and people can be part of a live Q&A and practice sessions with it. And then I also do private work with people. What a a great
2: idea. A living story that everybody participates in. We're coming to the end of our time here with uh, Leah Lamb, and we've been talking about your stories, new story, old story, and Spontaneous Remission Through Spontaneous Remissioning. This is Steve Behrman, Wikipolitiki. We'll be back again next week. Thank you, uh, Leah, for being our guest today on Wikipolitiki. Thank you so much.
0: Pleasure.